Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of The Chaps Chat Cats. My name is Jake, and I am joined in the virtual studio by the one and only deadly duo, Sambo and Johnny. How are you, chaps? Pretty good. Good. A bit shagged, but good. A consummate professional, Sambo, pushing through the shaggedness. Uh, right. To deliver on a Monday night. No shag can stop me. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We got you jabbed up. Absolutely not. Sam came in officially on the injury report as a bit shagged. We gave <laughs> yep. him a jab. <laughs> on it went. A bit shagged. Short term. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Lots of jokes to be made there. Lots Short of term, jokes. Short term, medium term, or a long term shagging. Joke. Yeah. <laughs> Um, maybe we get a sponsorship. Would you like to be? I've got a rattle. Term you guys hear this rattle? Yes, I can. A hear rattle. This rattle as well. A rattle. A metallic rattle. Mm. Sounds like we're oh. recording on a, an old steam train that can't quite hold together. We've got some some bearings rattling around. Yep. We might fall apart any time now. Is it still going? Can you still hear it? It is now? still it is. going. I don't know what it is. Interesting. Though. Nothing seems to be I moving on either know. of you that I can see. No, I've got nothing. No, to that's right. Let me let me. Mute some, my... Someone got some kind of piercing. I don't know about this. <laughs> it's a rattling against the desk. There we go. That's done it. But Jake's microphone's gone now. Yeah, still can't hear me. All right, this is uh, this right. is a smooth it ship is. tonight. Absolutely, it is just smooth Sam ship. and I now cannot hear Jake except for the patron. What is the rattling back? The rattling is not back, but you are back. Okay, back I in am green. back. I'm hoping not in black. I'm in hoping green. that I've fixed it. Yeah, I think you have. I'm hoping that I've fixed it. Tell well me done. if it comes back. Okay. All right. Let's get on with it, chaps. So I thought we actually were getting into this episode in a really, like, in in a positive fashion. Yeah. We had a bit um, of energy. Yep. A little bit of band That's off right. the top. And then All right. the rattling happened. Then the rattle. It derailed us. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. Hopefully, sans microphone rattle. That's that's the ambition. Fingers crossed. Yeah, tell us if it comes back. Well, one I of think you we will can have do to it. Tell me if it comes back. All right, let's get into it. A lot to discuss, chaps. A big weekend of AFLW footy. Um, right across the board, a lot of big scores. I was just saying to Jondo. Mm. Um, before we started recording, Gemma Bastiani had a stat up of players to have kicked five or more goals in a game in the AFLW. I think there's about four names on the list before this weekend. And we added three more. We had uh, Stanton for the Gold Coast kick uh, six. We had uh, Hoare for Melbourne kick five. And we had Chloe Shear kick five as well. So scoring is up. Individual scoring seems to be uh, well up. And a big shout out to Dakota Davidson for the Lions got four. And I wanted to take it there because Annalie McKee, former VFLW cat, who I said all season during the VFLW, someone needs to pick her up. She played for the Lions in the AFLW on the weekend and booted two goals. So nice. good to see former cats doing 
good things. But chaps, we need to get into the action for the Cats. The AFLW Cats rode a first quarter blitz to grab a 27-point victory over a pretty gallant Sydney Swans outfit. All things told, the Cats jumped out to a five, thir- five straight 30 to four behinds lead at quarter time. But thereafter, um, it was pretty much goal for goal. The only team to kick two in a row after the opening term was Sydney, and they kicked back-to-back goals uh, to, just before half time. To reduce the margin to 37 to 18, uh, the Cats and Swans traded two goals each in the third quarter. Geelong, though, kicked two goals, five to the Swans, two goals, two. So the Cats went in with a 22-point advantage. They extended that early in the last quarter. And in fact, they did kick two goals in a row in the last quarter um, to ultimately run out 10-8-68 to 5-11-41 winners. Um, Johnny, I think, had first bite at the Apple last week. Sam, I'll give you first crack this week. Um, not a perfect performance, but a perfect start to the season, two and zip. What were your sort of initial takeaways from this match on a picturesque postage stamp at North Sydney Oval? Uh, it, was a weird, it was a weird, weird game, wasn't it? Weird, weird experience watching it. Um I am happy to admit that I was I was reasonably wrong. I feel like overall the game looked somewhat like I had felt it in mind, but it was flipped. I really thought we would be looking at a fourth quarter more like our first quarter. I thought I thought the Swans would come out, you know, buoyed by the home crowd, you know, the the home ground advantage, the the tiny matchbox size ground that they were playing on that they they <laughs> <laughs> averse in um you know uh coming off a good game last week and you know just riding high i really thought they would would come out very spirited and the cats might be caught a little bit off guard in enemy territory and have to sort of claw their way back and then assert dominance but it, it was really the opposite we came out absolutely firing we were we were looking at each other sort of discussing records and all kinds of stuff for the for you know most 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 points kicked in a match play with the like i mean chloe Shear had her four by before half time didn't she i um, believe so so you know it, it really it really looked um yeah it looked to be a, a to be a certain going a certain kind of way and it was actually the the swans that were able to to fight back into it and really i mean not ever truly threaten our lead but um mm. but they certainly control sort of controlled the game the temp if, if not the possession in the back half of the game, then they, they at least certainly controlled the tempo and just the style of game. Um, so it was, it was very strange, a very strange feeling at the end of it. I remember kind of feeling like they'd come back and beaten us, even though we still had a pretty comfortable win on the scoreboard. It was a, it was this, it was, I wasn't, you know, real het up or depressed or annoyed or anything. It was just a, it's a bit of a flat, Final siren, wasn't it? Because we all got together to watch it over some pizza, and yeah. it, was, it was an odd atmosphere. Yeah, it was. It was an odd game because, yeah, as you said, Sam, they came out firing, came out super on it and dominating the Swans. And I think played the way the Cats want to play this year is that really clean possession, move it along as an attack with clean, nice, great possessions. And when they were able to do that, they looked fantastic. But and the narrow ground, as we sort of 
pointed out during in our preview pod is narrow ground, very short ground as well, congested. And I think as soon as it started getting really congested is when it fell right into Swan Sands. I think that's a, a way they like to play. And when you've got a narrow, short ground, that's a lot more narrow and shorter than GMHVA. You do tend to, you know, find a way that suits a game style, that suits the ground, and they definitely have. They, and they use it to full advantage and good on them for acknowledging that the cats can move it really cleanly and efficiently, and they're like, well, we'll shut this down and make them play the Swans way, and, you know, the cats did, and just never really able to counteract that much for much of the game. They did, did in patches, but, you know, the Swans were still able to just have that really dirty, nitty-gritty, hardball get game. And a lot of that has to go to the Ruckman. Um, Malloy just absolutely dominated both poor and oh, Morfitt, sorry. Absolutely dominated poor and um, Derby. Like them two were just getting pushed around mm. a little bit too easy, I think, in my book. So just mm. weren't really putting up much of a fight. And that was giving the Swans first look at the first look at the ball pretty much throughout every rucking contest and sort of does doesn't help the cats when that happens. So be interesting to see what they do with the rucks this week. But at the end of the day, it came out with a really hard, gritty win. Can't complain too much about mm. that. We know how good they can play when they do get it on them on their terms, but you need these types of type of games just to remind the whole team and the supporters that it's not going to be easy. Last week was fantastic and maybe we got a bit maybe we did get a bit ahead of ourselves and this sort of bit of a reminder of that we're not perfect there yet perfectly there just yet and there's still a bit of work to do yeah and i think the thing with morfitt like it was 34 hit outs um to ali morfitt uh erin hoare had 14 kate darby had 12 so you know we had a lot fewer even just as a team versus their one player. Mm. Um, but it wasn't just the hit out. So that was an obviously an area of concern, but the Cats actually managed to win the clearances pretty comfortably, 36 to 24. Now it would be interesting to look at a breakdown Good like of how those occurred, in, in, yeah, in which quarter. But, you know, Morfitt also had 15 disposals, five clearances and a goal herself. So she was the, she was the third highest clearance winner on the ground. If you go Laura Gardner, another former cat having a good day in the AFLW, 27 touches, nine tackles, seven clearances. Then you had Nina Morrison and Amy McDonald with six each. So Ali Morfitt, the fourth highest clearance winner on the ground with five. And I just thought that particularly that like she was one of the reasons why the Swans were able to wrestle their way. As we said, not back into the game in terms of the result because that never really looked in doubt after Geelong flexed their muscles in the first quarter. But, you know, once it was goal for goal, and, and you know, credit to them too. I thought the Swans actually moved it inside 50 on us pretty well. Like I know that their conversion rate ultimately wasn't very good, five goals, 11, and, and they actually missed some really gettable ones. Um, the way they actually transitioned out of midfield into our forward 50. Like at times they did it a little too easily for my liking. 
Um, and, you know, we'll talk about the, the game against North uh, in a few days uh, in our preview episode. But I did think, I'm kind of glad that we had some things that we weren't particularly happy with because I feel like it, it keeps giving the coaching staff good things to go, this is what happens when we don't play mm. at 100%. In our game, we we can get cut apart still by anyone. And if the Swans kick accurately, maybe they do eat into that lead more and they do really Mm. come back into the game uh, in terms of the outcome. I thought, too, some stats that sort of indicated just a difference in game style. Like The Cats last week had 300 disposals. This week we had 203. Um, You know, last week I think we had 80 marks or something. It was – I'm just trying to find where the marks were. Yeah, we, we had was that 68 marks, 78 marks. And this week, yeah, 78 marks. This week we had 35. So, you know, a very different style of game that we were able to play. Uh, Just the 95 uncontested possessions uh, versus, you know, I think think we had over 150 last week or something. I feel like Mm. we had 170 odd uncontested touches last week. So very different. The one stat that's it would be a big worry for the for the team would be the turnovers. Forty two turnovers from to Sydney's thirty four. So that's one thing they'll be looking at. Going, well, why was there such a fairly high number of turnovers for possessions to possessions? Because and that's another possible reason why the Swans got in there. Morfitt mainly would would have been one that really had a big part in the turnovers. And just the just the congested nature of the ground, like yeah. we were never we were never able to kick to a to a you know an, an uncontested possession really, especially moving it out of the back. Um, it was it was it was so packed, and they were so good at covering their ground and knowing how to use it that um, yeah, you rarely saw us linked together more than two or three uncontested mm. possessions. It's interesting, actually, looking at, at which players had the turnovers for the Cats. Prasparkas led the way with six, and, and she had a frustrated sort mm. of a day. Um, they really hard tagged her and, and did seem to get under her yeah, skin. Now, she applied 12 tackles, which was game high, so she still managed to find a way to stay relevant uh, in terms of getting involved defensively. Um but yeah, so Prasparkas with six turnovers, Darcy Maloney, Amy McDonald, and Chantal Emmonson with four each. Mm. Um, not necessarily players that you would normally think of mm. as being high turnover prone. The next were three for Sermon, three for Morrison, and three for Megatron. So again, three players with quite a bit of experience. Um, and three for Kentucky but, as well. Yeah, so like... I don't know, an, an interesting one, like, what do you think it was that, like, allowed the Swans back into the game? Or, or, like, do you have any sort of specific observations about, uh, like, the nature of the game, obviously different on a different sized ground. Were you happy with the way Geelong adapted and played the game, given that we weren't able to play out what we usually did and the close contest is just a result of having to adapt? Or like, what were your sort of thoughts tactically? I, yeah, I mean, it was, it was interesting because I don't know, beyond the first quarter, 
like who who won like score wise who won the last three quarters because it did feel like we were able to keep competitive even though it felt like as i said it wasn't so much the score and possession that sydney were controlling it was just the type of game so it is at least encouraging that geelong were able to play so... um uh, the geelong were able to play another style of game and yet and yet still come out on top even if if just so the cats lost the second quarter in Mm. terms of score and then i think basically won the next two yeah so over over overall one uh, uh, by by a couple of points by less than a goal (laughs) or one point in the end was it one 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 by one point seven sorry yeah okay so it's i mean yeah you wouldn't quite call it a quite call it a victory but it is at least encouraging that we were able to play their game i think a lot of a lot of it like it's i don't know it's it's fairly generic terms and you know i don't i don't know a lot about the sydney team so it's it's talking in in generalities but i just thought sydney seemed to come off the back foot so much in the second quarter where the where the first mm. quarter they looked they looked really um timid and and they didn't they didn't want to attack the ball or attack the players. So they weren't making the most of their possessions and their, their opportunities. And they also were kind of letting us run over the top of them a little bit. And I think, uh, I think they also cracked down on Prosparcus a lot harder after the first break. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, so that's a big one, but just, just the general mentality on the small, I know we're harping on and about it in, in the same way people harp on about hitting your park, but I'm not, not using it as an excuse. I'm not saying, Poor us. I'm just saying they use that ground better, and I think once they once they up their aggression um, and utilize that ground, I just think I think we were under so much pressure. I would have liked to have seen us. I don't necessarily have the answers, but I would have liked to have seen us come up with some answers of how to generate some of that clean possession in the in the third or fourth quarter um even if even if that's going backwards and laterally a a little bit more we were still so focused on banging it down the corridor um you know getting it getting it moving as quickly as possible out out of the back 50 that i think i think it probably could have been a, a service to us to have been okay with a little bit of a tactical retreat sometimes move the ball around a little bit get some confidence up get some some clean possession and and look for an opening rather than trying to just take it through as quickly as possible, which is the way we want to play, but it just it just wasn't mm. working. So I think yeah, those two sort of general things, Prosparcus and the the overall attacking mentality, are what Sydney brought to us. Um, and I think mostly we got by on talent and grit. I didn't really see us shift anything to to combat but i i could be wrong of course this is purely from from a you know a viewer's eye on on one viewing mm. yeah. um i just had a look at the stats for the for the first quarter georgie prosparkus in the first quarter nine disposals three clearances and she'd only go on to have another six touches and one clearance after quarter time so she yeah. actually and i remember now she actually destroyed them in the opening mm, term yeah. um, she was doing really well she was everywhere and then averages two disposals and a third of a clearance that's, for the next three quarters. So you, that's pretty massive. That is pretty massive. That's a big step down from her usual game. And I think just a frustration of yeah, getting tagged fairly heavily. I mean, I think we saw one point where she was basically getting 
held in the headlock and dragged off the ball. Yeah. Just to keep her away from it. It's like, well, come on. That's that's not how you're meant to tag. It's meant to be fair and all of that. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Um, just going back to the, the tactical thing. I think the one that stood out to me the most was how they're able to read the flight of the ball that little bit better where they had the Fords like pressed up a bit further than what our Fords were going and defence was going. And mm. oh, especially the defence. So when the ball was coming out of their forward line, it would if it went over the head of the Cats player, there'll be three to four swans there ready for it. And then they'll go into yeah. the centre and then there'll be another few swans there ready to receive it. And there was not many Cats around. I think that's the one that stood out to me the most was just a, not able to get back and or the forwards not able to come up and support the defence or midfield when it was needed was one that set me the most. And just sort of the, mm. the, the tackles. I feel like the tackles in the first quarter were spectacular, like spot on. Everyone was laying really good, hard tackles, getting them done for holding the ball. That, that was called very often. And then the rest of the game, it's sort of tackles weren't as strong. Like the Swans are able to break tackles a lot easier or get a handball out just at the right moment to release another player. And it was, it was yeah, it was just not sure what happened with the tackling, but I thought tackles in the first quarter were really good. And then sort of just dropped off just at ever a little slightly bit. And the Swans took full advantage of that and able to wrestle out a few more, wrestle out of tackles that I thought normally would have stuck. But Overall, that's what happens on a Sam's at those narrow, tight games, narrow grounds where home team knows how to play it. They and they played it very well and made the cats play a way that just probably not used to. And I think that's it's a good lesson, good way to learn. And I think it'll be a good, you know, game to watch on rewind for the cats team and just learn and adapt for next time they play at that ground. Yeah, I just was adding up. Quarter one, we had 34 uncontested possessions. So that was like over a third of our uncontested possessions for the game came in the first quarter. The last quarter, I think we only had 14 in the final term. So it it dried up as, as the game went along, which really probably matches, you know, what we would have thought. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Just just being able to not spread it around as much. Um, and, and I think that point you raised, Johnny, that there were a lot of turnovers down the line coming out of our back line, you know, and, and not just out on the full, but kicking to, as you said, like an out number, and it would just either get marked by Morfitt or one of the Swans, um, bigger players or they'd bring it to ground and there'd be more swans at the fall of the ball. So I think that's, yeah, we struggled probably to transition it out of the back 50 uh, as well, particularly outside of that first quarter. Like, let's face it, the first quarter was was nearly flawless, really. Like, yeah. I, I thought it was a bit rough maybe early on. Uh, and then we got into gear and we really took them apart and it was like, well, is this going to be like a pick your score? kind of afternoon um it felt like it didn't turn out to be obviously um it so clearly could have and i think they can gain a lot of confidence out of 
that that it could have turned into a really one-sided game if they just able to continue on that really good form. But yeah, at least we got the signs that they can are able to really dismantle a team rather quickly in a in a single quarter. Now it's just doing it over a few more few more quarters. Yeah, I was even just having a look at this, like total disposal numbers too. We had 66 disposals in the first quarter. Um, so, you know, that's like a third of our total disposals for the game came in that opening quarter. Um, so it, it all matches up. Like what we what we saw with up. our eye really does match up, yeah, with what the, what, with what the numbers uh, show. Did you think... The back line looked a little less organized, perhaps, without Annabelle Johnson yeah. down there. You know, she was a late out. I don't know if we ever got an official thing on that. Like, was it injury or was it tactical? I don't know. I just saw she was a late out for Rachel Kearns. Um, and, like, Kearns. hard to judge Kearns. Yeah, some interesting pronunciation <laughs> uh, on the old broadcast. Uh, Rachel Kearns, I thought it was hard to, like, it's hard to judge her against Annabelle Johnson because they're totally different players. So uh, I guess the question is more, it felt to me, and I'll put it back on you guys, that the back line just a little bit like the men sometimes this year when the personnel changed, it felt less organized and there were moments where players were actively like, or not actively, accidentally getting in each other's way and either spoiling what would have been marks um, and that sort of thing. Yeah, it was, yeah, it definitely felt that way. Um, but it sort of felt like it went, sort of got worse throughout the um, the game. Like the first quarter, again, they were really on it, really good. Obviously, they didn't go down their defence much. But I think once that relentless in pressure of going inside 50 started really happening a lot more <clears throat> and a lot more consist- consistently, that's when it sort of started losing shape. It's the sort of players like Megatron sort of get not lost, but just sort of out of positions a few times, which usually wouldn't happen. But with turnovers happening outside of 50 and it being pumped back in, you sort of expect it. But yeah, there was that definite, just a little bit of misunderstanding sometimes between the players. And that could be like that Annabelle Johnson wasn't there, or Meg McDonald had to play a bit of a a different game than what she usually plays as the you know the general down back, keeping an eye on everyone. Maybe she had to play a bit more up for up up to up the mid up the ground than what she's used to. But overall, they still did a, a fairly good, decent job. And can't yeah, it's it's one of those ones where the ball going inside fifty that many times in a couple of quarters does does make it a lot wor- look a lot worse. I think I still think they did a good enough job. Obviously, they did a good, good enough job to keep the score. Their score's less than ours, so ticks up. Mm. But I think they'll review it a bit harder than what I did just then. 11 inside 50s for the Cats in the opening quarter. We had 33 for the game. So there again, 33%, a third of our inside 50s came in the opening quarter. Essentially... A quarter, a, a third of what we did for the game came in the opening term. Um, I think it's interesting, isn't it, Chaps? When we said it 
you know, on the evening saying, isn't it funny how quickly expectations change? If you had said to us, you know, 18 months ago, you'll, you know, be on the road and you'll be up 30 to four at quarter time. The game, you know, you won't necessarily keep control of the game entirely, but you'll always be able to answer back and pretty much maintain just what Geelong did. They had a 26 point lead at the quarter time break. They had a 27 point lead by the end of the game. So they pretty much, you know, surged to an unassailable buffer and then maintained it, kept Sydney at arm's length most of the time, being able to respond whenever the Swans put a goal on the board. We would have bitten your hand off yep. to, to think the Cats would be in that sort of position. But it's amazing like how frustrating it is and how quickly your expectation changes now that as we've declared on the pod like where we consider this team in a flag window now like did you guys have any sort of further thoughts on that like your own feelings about like the nature of the result or the nature of the performance in comparison to to what we would have taken previously? Not really. I mean, maybe, but over overall, I think the expectation only really got away with, from me because of that first quarter. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I still, th- I still think their their ceiling is very high, and um, you know, they're they're in at the beginning of a premiership window, and you know, I've got great uh, hopes for them. But I'm, I don't generally going. I mean, even in the preview, I was sort of erring on the side of caution that that Sydney could could come out red hot here and you know they've got a lot to play for and uh, and all that stuff and it could be a tough game so it was it was really I, I totally agree with what you're saying like that but the expectation really only came from that first quarter if we'd played four quarters like the 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 latter three quarters and we'd come away with a narrow win I would have been super happy but the fact that 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 <laughs> <laughs> narrowly winning the last three quarters felt like such a letdown after smashing that first quarter. So it, as I said, we should we came away with a comfortable win on the scoreboard. We should have been really happy. It just it it felt like such a such a sort of a sort of fade out, but it wasn't. It just only in comparison. It was still a very gutsy performance, but just compared to that stark contrast to the game that we we, we were literally watching five minutes beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> is really is really where the expectation where that you know I really let myself buy into that when I was seeing that on screen mm. there was no no inner cautionary voice saying oh this might not last or whatever <laughs> like yeah yeah I was I was on I was on the train at that point yeah it's it's an interesting one because generally if it was season twenty twenty two a we're going oh this is mm. you know great first quarter. Can they keep on? And then as the game went on, you were like, oh, this is getting a bit worse. This could be, this could end in a really like heartbreaking loss. But it seems that it's, it's one of those ones where you get a really good first quarter and you go, well, these, these players know how to handle the high pressure situations now. They know how to play a good four quarters. And yeah, I never really thought there was any threat throughout the game. Um, from the Swans that I thought would, if they needed to, they could pick up and get a few goals when needed. And full credit, they were. They got some really good, important goals just when they needed um, needed them. And yeah, sort of just expectations of a little 
not super high, not expecting them to go to the grand final and win it and beat the next top teams um, because that would just be a bit crazy. Uh, expectations have been lowered after last week's to about roughly where they should be, I reckon, where this team is. But, you know, the the ceiling in a sense, it is super high for this whole team and it's not going to take mm. much to reach that ceiling. Um, and it's, you know, I think this year, again, will be another good learning year and of good expectations, um, expecting play finals and get a fair way in finals and hopefully to win the first final this year is what I think we as mm. fans are expecting and what they, the team should definitely be expecting to make a really good crack into the finals. But as far as I, what's further ahead is, is who knows? But we know there's a lot of talent in there that can push us a long way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like you talk about learning and, and, and that sort of thing, a year of learning. Like I, I still, you know, my expectation with a two and zip start is that, you know, we're in that frame if we play to our potential to be a top four and to get a double chance. And if you've got a double chance, you, you, you've got a fair crack at getting into a prelim um, and, and maybe going beyond. I, th I, I think my, if I think about this game and what we've learned from it, like I think it's really valuable, like getting back yeah. from, because uh, I feel like as fans, we went in with high expectations, particularly after the first quarter and after that first week's performance. I think the team did as well. And I think, you know, getting at quarter time, we go, oh, holy moly, we're on we're on a bit of a special role here. And then it comes out and it becomes a real grind. And suddenly you're like, oh, man, we're going to have to play a really hard final three quarters if we're going to salt away the four points. Like, I think that's such a valuable thing for a team that has maybe just entered its flag window to go through, especially ahead of a game like against North Melbourne, where it's like other teams in this league aren't dead. They're never dead. You have to keep playing because even a team like Sydney, who are an expansion side, can take it right up to you. And as, as I said, they kicked, what, five goals, seven, I think it is, after three-quarter time. You know, if they kick eight goals, four, it, it, it's a lot closer, um, and, and other teams may be able to do that to you. Melbourne, North Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide. So I think it's valuable. I think ultimately I was frustrated on the night, as you chaps have said, just because that opening term was such one-way traffic and you're like, we might be on for some sort of record here. But it was, a good, it was good to be reminded that it's a professional football league where all 18 teams are more than capable of playing footy that's good enough to, to take it up to you um, if you give them an inch. So yeah. I think valuable, a valuable result and a good result. Good to go on the road and get a win. Um, yeah. Let's face it, the GWS, you know, were defeated last week by, by the Swans. So yep. it's not like Sydney weren't without the ability to win a game. I'm um, going to get into our votes in a second, but just let's take a couple of minutes here. Just any players that you want to mention or anything else you want to mention just quickly before we get into, yeah, the votes, the one, twos and threes, anything um, jump off the page? Um, Darcy Maloney, I thought was 
spectacular, really good game. Um, did a lot of really good things. I like the way she's she just moves up and down the ground. You pointed that out last week, and on the um, part of the I think it was player focus. Yeah, part of the player focus when she was running and just making an option for Ashling Maloney and Chloe Shear. I think that's really valuable part of part of the team at what she brings, and she gets up and down the ground constantly and really quickly as well. I thought just the way. And she didn't get a lot of lot of the ball, but she was always there and thereabouts in laying some good tackles and just adding that little bit of extra pressure, which I thought was highly valuable. And you know, she'd be one of those players if she wasn't there. I think I say about nearly every single player, but you definitely notice Maloney wasn't there if she wasn't playing. So I think she's a very important player to this team. Sambo, yeah. Um, uh... So many. I like. I like. Yeah. I feel like we're going to end up running the risk of going through all the players. Um. I w- I would probably mention um, Sermon. Uh. Like. I think. I think she's yep. she's such a um, such a solid, solid and dependable and consistent player. Um. Probably not going to get a lot of, a lot of headline grabbing performances. Um. But yeah, I think mm. she's just a such a um. Such a solid cog in that machine at the moment, um, and one of those really dependable players. When the when the ball ball's going her way, you just kind of have a lot of confidence. Um, so yeah, I think uh, she's she's she was a real standout. I want to talk about Jacqueline Parry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Eleven disposals, uh, what five marks, three goals straight. I brought her stats up before on aflwstats.com.au. Um, Jacqueline Parry has six goals this season. She's six goals, no behinds. Her previous best goals kicked in a season was four, playing in 11 games for Melbourne uh, in 2021. Nice. So going into the season, she was nine goals, 15 behinds career. She's now 15 goals, 15. So like she's going to smash. She's already smashed. Her, her previous best in terms of her goal kicking, but it's not just the goal kicking. Her previous best for marks in a season was 26. That was for the Cats last year. She's already got 13 in two games. So she has become such a dependable target. Uh, 77.8% disposal efficiency, which is up 20% on her career average of 57.9%. So I'm really excited. For her, obviously came in and earned a week-in, week-out starting position. Uh, played in all 11 games last year and well on the way to doing that. She's such a great foil for Shear, such a great foil for Ashling yeah. Maloney. Just that different player who's just runs, jumps at the ball, takes a contested mark, can go back and slot the goal and very excited for her. Um, shall we get into votes, chaps? Let's do Three it. Three twos, ones. All right, let's jump in. I'm going to lead us off, uh, and I'll try and just keep mine succinct for once. Uh, I'm going to give one vote to Amy McDonald. 20 touches, a goal, six clearances. Thought she was, you know, as per usual, great. I'm giving two votes to Chloe Shear. Five straight, like absolute beast, and we called it. He said four goals. She got five. Uh, And... My three votes go to Nina Morrison, 21 touches, a goal, nine tackles, six clearances, and 14 
contested possessions. So 14 out of her 21 were contested. Um, we're going to get into it in the Patreon player focus in a minute, but career best footy at the moment for Nina Morrison through the opening two weeks. Uh, what about you, John Doe? Um, well, this is awkward because it's McDonald, Morrison, uh, McDonald, Shear, and Morrison. I, I'm almost there. I've just got to flip. I've got Shear, McDonald, Morrison. Nice. Nice. Okay. Well, yeah. We're I, almost, I think we were almost hard. 100% on, on, on the money. <laughs> Unlucky for Shear to kick five goals and not get all the votes, but I think the reality is someone's getting the ball into you inside 50. Yeah. Um, and, and she is finishing well. And, and that's been a, and it, a great takeaway this season is, is like the finishing. Yeah. And like the, and the I think clean the, finishing from the Cats is exceptional. And I think another good thing for the Cats was even if Chris Barkas is getting held uh, by a tag, we've still got Nina Morrison who can play just as well yeah. as Chris Barkas. Nina Morrison was a Darcy first Maloney. round draft pick. Darcy Maloney, Amy McDonald, maybe mm. this Australian midfielder there who doesn't get tagged, who doesn't get talked about really much. Just, you know, doing her thing. <laughs> yeah. So No, fully. And I thought um, it's been cool. Like Darcy Maloney is pretty much lining up around the stoppages. Yes. She's listed as a forward on the, you know, on the the fantasy comp, but she's essentially a midfielder. And I think she does. She's like, speaking of foils, she's such a great one for the other players that are already in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Plays a great game. And Ashling Maloney, again, like showed some serious flashes oh, of yes. brilliance. I thought that, it, yeah, she's she is special. So, um, look, I mean, that's it. That's the public preview, uh, recap show done. We're going to go now and do our Patreon player focus on Nina Morrison. If you want to listen to that one, it's $3.50 US per month about five aussie bucks you get extended versions of the podcast including things like the patreon player focus uh you also get video versions of the podcast and during the vfl season coverage of the vfl men's and women's season so we appreciate you for listening we'll be back in a couple of days with a preview of geelong versus the kangaroos a chance for revenge on the team that knocked us out of finals last season until next time, go cats. Go cats. Go cats.